Sparky, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Good afternoon, and it's a pleasure. First things first, it's simple as this. Let's just see how you're doing. How's things? Things are good. Um, I am in the middle of writing. I'm just kind of at the sort of end of a festival run and kind of um, travelled out as a result of it. So I'm actually just enjoying the time of being at home for at least a little bit. Okay, okay. What kind of travelling? Whereabouts were you uh, Were you out and about? Uh, most recently, I was in Utah for Film Quest, which was a wonderful festival. Um, uh, before that, I was in Bruges, uh, which uh, was for Razor Wheel Flanders, another great festival in an incredible city. Um, and throughout this year, I've been to America a few times. I've gone elsewhere in England and... Uh, yeah, it's just been a lot of places that I've tried to represent the film as often as I can. Um, yeah. And a lot of jet lag has happened. Any more this year? Um, probably not this year, um, th but never say never. There are some things that are coming up that I would like to get to if I can, but I am also trying to spend a bit of time with my family, get some rest and also get some writing done. So, um, yeah, maybe not, but maybe so. Okay, yeah, watch that space as it were. Um, when you say writing, obviously, and I know you're not going to really tell me too much here, but uh, whereabouts are you with that? Are you far along in that project? Uh, on the projects I'm writing at the moment, then I am just through a first draft. I've got um, basically a uh, an outline written, and I'm just uh, I'm just uh, sort of uh, at the for act one climax at the moment and uh yeah that's where i am with that so it's a bit of an exciting part of the script that i've been working on for a while okay okay what's uh, what what's your process likely like how long do you normally spend on, on one particular project do you have a time frame to be honest no because um only all projects are um different and the last one that i was on was a short um the uh the one that i'm writing at the moment is a feature I have um, written features uh, before, none produced so far, but uh, that's, that can be anything from just working through the night for several nights in a row to get something done in a week just because I was trying to do it for the hell of it. Um, and then it can be something that I'm working on with something else, so it's a lot of sending back and forth, um, and that can take weeks or months. And then there's things by myself which I might, you know, start, one point and then get a fair amount done and then get distracted by another project or another job that comes along or things like that and then resume it later so it's difficult to say but generally i like to make sure that i first kind of get um, a plot outlined just as bullet points to begin with this happens then this happens and this happens just simplify it into a series of events as best as possible mm. and then kind of um i like to put that into the script like that number of scenes and then as i'm writing the script i then realize how like that script that scene and that scene don't seamlessly go into each other so there needs to be something in the middle so then i'll figure out what to write for that um and then get to the end of my first draft and then go through and say right what doesn't work what did i just quickly write so I could get onto the next bit, what does work very well, etc. And then just try and get other people to read it and give me feedback because sometimes it's uh, difficult being the only person that's uh, um, criticising something, especially if it's your own. Sometimes you aren't honest with yourself about the things that need to be cut or changed. 
you you rely on that aspect uh, quite heavily the the family friends feedback thing uh, generally, yeah, I've got a writing group, which I um, occasionally meet with as well, and we all critique our own work um, with each other. So that's always a help um, with some things. Then I do go to family and friends as well. But uh, um, particularly with features, that's usually quite an ask because if yeah. I it, it's, it's a lot of time and a lot of effort, because if I go to someone with a 10 page short, and I say, can you read this and give me some notes? They're like, yeah, yeah, that'll take like half an hour or something. Um, if I give them like a 120 page script and then say, can you read through this and give me some notes? They're like, okay, that's several weeks work. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, even just to read it is like half a day or more. So uh, yeah, it's uh, something that you have to um, not ask people to do every time. Otherwise, the next time when you really need it, they'll say, nope, I did it before and it killed me. So, uh, yeah, that's yeah. fair. Um, with the year drawn to a close, you know, we're in the middle of November right now. Uh, are you satisfied with what you've accomplished in your professional life this year when you look back at the last 11 months? It's difficult to say because um, I generally have a hard time telling myself that I have succeeded in any way. Um, but in both respects of the work that I do, because uh, I... As well, as well as making my own films like Villain, um, then I also um, work in, uh, I still work in film and TV, but in um, a sort of an IT role. Um, and I started the year working in that. And then the second half of the year, um, all of the festivals started lining up. So I left that job and started working on the festival circuit with this film. And to be honest, I think I've done pretty well in both. Um, the uh, first job that I started the year with, I did very well on and uh, um, had a good team. And then in terms of um, continuing to promote the film, work with it, go with it to festivals, uh, introduce it to new audiences. Uh, that is something that I have never done to this extent before. No film that I've ever made before has uh, had this level of success. Um, there's mm -hmm. been... Others that I've made that have gone to some festivals and even won awards at some festivals, but uh, never this many, never has it had this kind of wide acclaim and been, I mean, it's just uh, been accepted to, I think it's 21st festival and there's still more that we're waiting on answers for. I think the uh, the number of uh, festivals that were my record before was uh, something like five. Ooh. And uh, yeah, so it's, um, I'd say it's definitely a success. And the fact that I've managed to kind of keep going with that as well as doing like the day job side of things um, occasionally and still writing as well, working towards the future and, and also being a family man. I've got a two-year-old daughter who demands a lot of time and a wife who I love, who I also try to spend some time with. Um, then yeah, I think I've managed to sort of do this uh, spinning plates act throughout the year, and I would say that it's uh, yeah, I've done pretty well with it, I think. And that's hard right. to make myself say that. No, but still, much congratulations. Even half of that uh, should be measured as a successful year in whatever terms that might mean to a person. Uh, but the fact that you're sitting here reflecting uh, on it out in a positive mindset is successful enough. Do you do you have any specific high points of 2023 that you could point at and point at? Um, to be honest, just uh, say the the um, first festival that I went to um, with the film because uh, the, the first festival that I went to was not the first festival it got into. 
-hmm. it's uh was it first played at Fantaspoa in uh, Brazil which unfortunately I wasn't able to afford at the time but I did manage to get to New York for the Coney Island Film Festival and um it was just wonderful to go there and for the first time actually see an audience that wasn't just like my family and friends or the cast and crew of the film watching a film that I'd made and it was a pretty packed audience as well and seeing their reactions to it and then having people come up to me after the screening like doing a Q&A but then even after the Q&A people coming up to me afterwards and discussing the film with me talking about what they took away from it um there's been similar times throughout the year at other festivals as well that have been like that but um between that and uh, gaining um, distribution for it as well, will be on uh, Dust um, on December 20th. Uh, so that will gain it a wider audience as well. And that's that's a first, is uh, an actual distributor coming to us and saying, we want to show other people your film, we will do the work. Um, but yeah, I think that first uh, festival or that first screening in particular uh, which we also won an award for. We won uh, mm. Best Sci-Fi and Fantasy at the Coney Island Film Festival. I think that was that was the real high, was actually seeing the film with an audience that I had no relation to um, for the first time and seeing that it was <laughs> well responded to. Nerve-wracking, though, or were you quite relaxed and calm about it? Oh, no, I was absolutely crawling out of my skin I, I was uh, basically just kind of sitting at the back just uh, kind of watching with my hands through my um, eyes looking through my hands and then um, yeah because I, I just kind of all, always automatically come to everything uh, with quite a lot of anxiety feeling like everything is going to be disliked and or not understood or both and um, yeah I I really was on the edge of my seat for that one. And um, I, I mean, I still am, even now, uh, at every festival I go to, I still have kind of the same experience, but it's less each time. And like e each time that I might see it or show it to a new audience, then I have slightly more expectation of it not being hated. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people are saying good things about it. Of course, we are talking about villain let's get the name out there villain mm -hmm. a new fantasy short um the synopsis the story of an orphan girl seeks revenge on a creature that destroyed her home but discovers more in its lair than she bargained for that's mm -hmm. as much as i'd like to say there because the last thing i want to do is spoil something like this an Im immense experience that grabs and grips the attention tightly from beginning to end you mentioned feedback you mentioned people talking to you about it. so overall what has that been like for you both on the positive and the negative side of things well the positive side of things i would say is that um actually this kind of goes for positive and negative is that people have different takes uh, from it some of it is that um they get exactly what i was trying to um kind of say with no words there is no dialogue in the film um and as a result, the um, the meaning behind everything and the relations between the characters is not always particularly obvious. But mm. I've had some people come to me with uh, the exact correct, or to my mind, correct um, interpretation of it. And then I've had other people come with their own interpretation of it, um, which uh, in by and large, whenever people have come to me with a different interpretation than the one that I have, 
then I've just kind of thought, yeah, that actually could work. That's a really good thing to take away from this. I'm not going to spoil that and say it's not what I intended or anything. But uh, yeah, it's it's good to know that there are multiple meanings or ways that people can take it. And that's always a positive, I'd say, is that, um, you know, art is in the eye of the beholder. And um, I love that it is something that can be taken so many ways. But that does also mean, of course, that uh, a lot of people will um, take nothing from it or very little from it. Um, I do have a habit, which I should break, um, of occasionally checking like letterboxed reviews of the film. And uh, there's um, amongst all of the uh, kind of uh, good things, there's also the bad reviews. And uh, those are the ones that obviously I focus on and go, oh, I can get them to like it while everyone else is saying, yeah, I liked it. Um, I will also say one thing that is a double-edged sword is um, is our lead actor, um, Bella Ramsey. Um, not for Bella themselves, but uh, specifically because a lot of those reviews, um, <laughs> they are like five stars and the review just says, woo, Bella! So I have no idea if that person actually enjoyed the film or not, but they certainly enjoyed Bella. So I, I never know what to take from that. Um, but yeah. they have an incredible actor doing an incredible performance in the film. So even if pe the only thing people take away is that they enjoy that performance, that's still a win. I get it completely because of um, obviously uh, as of the time of this, Bella Ramsey has grown in prominence thanks to The Last of Us um, mm -hmm. beyond Game of Thrones. So it is quite eye-catching to see starring... Bella Ramsey and, um, of course, should mention as well, Isla Gay, uh, G, should I say, yeah. um, those two together. Just talk to me about casting them and how straightforward was it for you? It was it was actually fairly straightforward. So um, we so this was the first film that me and my producer, Serge Dave, um, who's also my wife, um, we had um for all of our previous films, we we'd done a lot of things spread and spread ourselves very thinly to do a bunch of jobs. And on this one, we kind of just wanted to do um, just specifically like directing or producing or whatever. So we actually did for this one for the first time get a casting director, um, Kat Dickey, and um, uh, Kat basically sent us um, a list of people um, she thought would be suitable for the lead role. Bella Ramsey's name was at the top of that. And we said, damn, if we can get Bella, then we definitely want Bella. So we sent the script and an offer to um, to Bella via their agent. And uh, they said, um, yeah, I'd really like to do this. So I'll, uh, I'll see if we've uh, got um, schedules lined up. And they did. And uh, yeah, I mean, like a, a thing is that everyone's schedule was lining up at that time because it was the pandemic. So we were basically able to say to people, we'll do it at this time when um, when the lockdown is over, but everything hasn't really like kicked fully into gear yet. Um, so we managed to get a lot of people on that film, uh, both in front of and behind the camera, that were um, otherwise never going to be available um, for us. Um, as for Isla, um, because Bella, we we didn't audition Bella. We just said like, yes, let's get Bella if we yeah. can get Bella. But for the um for the younger role, um, we um knew that there were no kind of established actors of that age. Um, so we would have to do kind of a casting call, and our um, casting director um did basically get out to um a bunch of uh, child actors and asked them to 
portray a bunch of emotions that I'd asked for because again it's no no dialogue so mm. uh, I kind of just wanted a feral child uh, with um, like a sense of humour but also a sense of fear and um, we got a load of self taped auditions back um, and it's it's kind of unfair to say this but by the after we had watched Isla's audition tape. We, we almost basically said there's no point in watching all the others because we were so like, oh, my God, this person is perfect for this. So um, we did watch all the others and they were still good, but like no one was better than Isla. So we got Isla involved and uh, we were very glad to do so. We were Isla's first um, film uh, project on camera. Uh, done, she'd done um, a fair amount of stage work and like she went on to be Matilda in the West End. Um, but since then, she's also appeared uh, in the the Offenders on BBC. She's been in Sandman on Netflix, and um, she's going to be in um, Foundation, I think. And uh, there's also a um, th yeah, there's there's also a, a like kid detective thing that she's going to be in as the lead with uh, Martin, Martin Freeman as her sidekick on Netflix. So that's going to be a new series, and I'm looking forward to that. So, uh, yeah, she's doing very well and it's very well deserved. Absolutely. Uh, she is absolutely incredible. Um, and at least from my perspective, from your perspective, do you think they delivered your vision as be or better than you ever thought it could be? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, there was there was very little that I had to kind of go through with the actors um there we we did do rehearsals both over zoom and um for like the week before we shot we did like one uh in person to really block it out um but in terms of um in terms of the emotions and things and understanding what their characters were going through they they both really understood it so it was it was kind of a thing where i only would need to say like i want this from you and then they would go yep got it and then they'd just be able to do it. And some of the times when I would be expecting um, something kind of more basic, um, then like Bella in particular, just with the facial expressions that I have, is um, yeah, there's a lot that went on in the camera that I was standing at the monitor just thinking, Jesus, that's so good. And uh, like I, I probably would have been satisfied with, yeah, that would do. But uh, no, every time both of them managed to knock it out of the park, um, there was there was very little kind of times when I would have to go in and say, like, you're doing this in a way that's different from what I want. I'd like you to change it up and do this. A lot of the time it was just their interpretation of the script or the, the rehearsals that we'd done initially. And yeah, they just nailed it. Sticking with the initial vision thing, um, did you did you originally plan this as there would be no dialogue at all? Was that always the the image? Yes, uh, basically, but not in kind of not planned. Like the whole thing was just that it was featuring characters that were um, in, say, the first scene um, or first couple of scenes. It's just Bella with no one to talk to, um, and in the cave scenes where it's the two of them. Um, it was important that they would not really be able to talk to each other. My, the idea in my head was that Sabra, uh, the younger girl, is feral um, and wouldn't have language and that, um, that Georgia, Bella's character, would know this. 
and also would just be surprised by it and would kind of not know what to say. And that, that kind of lack of communication between them was something that what I wanted to escalate the situation. Um, in the in the very first draft of the script, I remember there actually kind of automatically, without trying, only being one word in there, which was um, there's a point where Bella um, tries to like stop um, Sabra. George tries to stop Sabra from running in the direction of the dragon, and um, basically, I had written in that she goes no, and then I mm. thought. After a while, I realised that that was the literal only word in the script. And I thought we don't need that word in there when just like facial expressions and body language can do that. So everything is now just kind of grunts and laughs and screams and whatever. It's it's all just about facial expressions and uh, emotions, but no actual communication. And that's an important theme of the film as well, is that they don't talk about what's going on they and as a result violence escalates but as you said facial expressions alone can tell the entire story here what people are going through what's happening around them and it really really works here to incredible actors um did you have any changes that were kind of forced upon you from what you initially wrote either because of say time budget or other limitations uh there's two that i can think of um Oh, actually, there's a, there's a few that I can talk about. So, um, firstly, is uh, regarding the the uh, I'll talk about the dragon because I have in other things as well. So, uh, uh, the dragon itself, um, as you've uh, seen in the um, Stilton film and everything, is uh, CGI, um, and we had not done that kind of VFX before, so we didn't know kind of how to do it and also how like much it cost or anything like that. So we had to learn that on the fly. There was a lot in the original storyboards, which were not in the final film because I had not really budgeted it or anything. So we like went through all these shots of things and then said, do we need that in the film? Cause it's going to cost a lot of money to have that in the film. And then we would kind of go through and say, yeah, that we don't need. That was just cause we just thought that would be maybe kind of cool or whatever, but it's uh, not necessary to tell the story. Um, so that was one thing. And another is just the dragon itself. We were originally kind of planning to do it as um, majority being um, physical, um, but then we kind of like looked at how we would do like a massive puppet, mm. like a prosthetic thing or something like that, and we realised that it could be done and it might even be cheaper than VFX or whatever, but if we did do it, then it would absolutely be a nightmare to control, so it would take many more days of filming and then that's an entire crew um where we have to schedule their time and um, of course pay them as well which ups the budget and things like that so that was half of the thing of going for vfx instead um one of the other things that i um will talk about is basically the the final scene of the film uh effectively we kind of ran over um a tiny bit and the person who was most unhappy with that was our gaffer. Um, so he decided to pack up all of his things, leaving us with no lighting whatsoever as the entire rest of the crew committed to stay for the final scene. And uh, so we originally had planned to light that scene 
um, very, very differently uh, because mm. we wanted to actually show where exactly it is. Um, I don't. I still don't know if people all know or not whether um, wh whether they know or not if that is um, Bella's character Georgia returning to the burned down home and the grave of her mother. Um, but uh, it was meant to be much more obvious. We're going to have like some blue moonlight showing the remains of the hut and things like that. Um, but we obviously didn't have that. So we, the only things available left to us was fire. And that's how we ended up lighting the scene just with fire and nothing else. So uh, that's something that I think still works for the scene and uh, definitely for the final shot where we just get Bella seething in the light of fire. But uh, it wasn't necessarily intended um, to look like that. It's interesting you say that because without knowing that, I wouldn't have thought there was anything that like, I wouldn't have thought that wasn't what you meant to do. Fire being such an important aspect of it, obviously how the the, the film starts with fire. Mm. So kind of you know, I would never have known. I don't think, and I don't think anyone would really notice. Mm. I feel. Well, it's um like I say, I think it does work. So um, and it does seem to be something that audiences don't necessarily say, hey, that end bit stands out or whatever. So. Um, yeah, I think it did well enough for the film. Yeah, absolutely. Um, continuing that theme then, what were some areas across the entire filmmaking process of the film that you found particularly satisfying? Some of it was just because we got a lot of professional help with it. As I say, this was something that we... Uh, um, we got a lot of help with from people who would not usually be available and they're very, very skilled and experienced people in the film industry. Um, as I say, I usually work in the film industry as an IT um, role and uh, Sedge works in um, a production role. And as a result of that work, we know a lot of people who are heads of departments in all sorts of things. So that's how we managed to get in touch with uh, someone in VFX and asking them to just tell us how we do something or mm. SFX asking how we safely do fire and things like that. Um, we learned a massive amount, but we also then had uh, initially we were just asking these people how to do this. Um, but then as we went on, they all kind of came on board because they too were just bored in lockdown with no creative outlet. So we were absolutely overjoyed to get so many people kind of helping us out, telling us how to do things. We now know so much more than before we um, made this film. And we know that like our next film, which we're aiming to be a feature, uh, will we'll start it with a lot more experience and a lot more knowledge than most first time feature filmmakers would have. So uh, yeah, there's a huge amount of satisfaction from just knowing how to do fire and um, what kind of things need to be done uh, for stunts and things like that. So if someone's falling or jumping or, um, yeah, uh, and even uh, things like art department as well. Um, it was wonderful to see um, things that were built by our crew, um, just uh, starting with a script and then built into reality. Uh, whereas everything that I've ever done before has been much more contemporary and written to be cheap. So it usually used, you know, existing locations. It would just be in a house or it would be out at somewhere that someone else has created and we just film there. Um, but this was uh, entirely created by our crew. 
in our art department and uh, yeah that was all very satisfying to watch it all come together and then to see it on screen at the end what an incredible experience a learning experience as much as um anything else and positives that can be taken from the incredibly negative period of time that was covid and the lockdown and all of mm. that that you were given this opportunity to be able to work with these people small mm, positives always good yes uh, we got some very bored uh, very quickly of like running out of our netflix queue and everything and um we enjoyed kind of like walking around with uh, no other people on the streets or whatever but mm. then that like anything that you do for a while will eventually not quite satisfy that itch and so we started thinking what can we do to like keep ourselves um occupied and do the things we love and we found that everyone that we got in touch with was kind of after that same thing so uh yeah i think it was turning um the negative experience of uh, lockdown into something positive because we had time um yeah that we just would not have had uh, any other point speaking of that itch then as you brought that up what what is it about filmmaking specifically that appeals to you that has meant you work um so hard in the industry it's difficult to say there is um amongst crew as well there is a kind of uh, often talked about thing that there is an addiction to the work because uh, it's it's often longer hours and um harder work and worse conditions you know like i've i've stood out in the rain when i was just a runner and just like stopped cars going down the street and then just tried to complain to angry drivers that we're filming like a mile in that direction and we can't have anything go past in the next five minutes and yeah and i've been the brunt of their um, aggression and whatever but there is something about it just feeling like you are part of something that is big and there is kind of um some sense of uh, magic in the film industry as well um even when you're making something not good then you still feel like that is something that is better than you know just working at your dad's cubicle um and then doing the same thing for the rest of your life or whatever everything is varied i think because mm. even if you're even if you're say a film accountant or something then the, the work that you do is still very different from job to job to job um and it is a part of it being freelance as well that you don't just do one thing forever you do this job or this production and then you go on to this one and that one and it's exciting meeting new people new crew members new cast members um and then when you eventually go on to another job with uh, other people that you've worked with before and reminiscing about that but it's also you know just the the times when you get to like witness explosions or when you get to just actually be standing at the side of a stage when two world-class actors are having a duologue which you just know is going to be something that makes people cry in the cinema and things like mm -hmm. that it's um there, there really are some incredible moments that you can only kind of witness there and like I, I one of the films that I am most happy to have worked on um, in the IT capacity is uh, is 1917 and you know I, I was there at the side of the trenches 
where George McKay is running alongside and the camera's on this truck and he's chasing it and so he gets knocked down by two extras, which was an accident. It wasn't meant to happen, but they ended up putting that iconic moment. In the film. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just watching that and just watching this crowd of extras all in full World War One gear, um, some of them getting blown up, some of them getting shot and falling over or whatever, just like launching across this massive space. And I'm just there just saying like, I'm actually watching this with my eyes. That's incredible. It's, um, yeah, you just have some really good memories as that do go along with the bad ones standing in the rain holding up cars. Good and bad, as you say, um, and you know it is an industry that's adapting and changing with the times as should be, but still has a long mm-hmm. way to go. So I would love to get your perspective on this question, considering you have worn a fair few hats and worked on a fair few different movies as well as your own stuff. Um, if you could change one thing in the industry that would improve it for everyone, what would you change? I'm going to say because of my experience of being a father at the moment and also having worked with uh, some people that have lobbied for this kind of thing before, I think every um, production should have a crash. Basically, we should empower working parents. Um, that is the one thing that really um, passed something on the industry that firstly makes it very difficult for women in particular to carry on with the jobs they're doing. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of people who are kind of forced to take years of breaks after they have kids and then it's harder for them to get back in afterwards while men will just continue on forever. Um, but generally, I, I feel like there should be something to enable um you know, basically, I do, I do think that if there were some kind of childcare service associated with film productions, especially because it goes all over the place, like people go to different locations to film, it's not all just within a studio or whatever, then, um, yeah, I think that is something that in particular would absolutely change the lives of many people involved. So simple, but so transformative. Mm. Incredible. Okay. Um, um, there, sorry, just to um, well, plug it, there is a um, company called uh, Raising Films that particularly fights that fight. Um, amazing. Yeah, and so that's where I kind of first kind of learned about it and then just thought, yeah, that is really, really nice. <laughs> Massive shout out to them. Fantastic to hear that someone's actually fighting that corner. Um, yeah. Okay, Sparky, last one, really, and just go back to Villain. Uh, you mentioned yeah. December, you mentioned Dust, was it? Yeah, Dust. Yes. I've not I've not heard of that before, so it'd be interesting so, to look up. Dust are basically there's a company called Gunpowder and Sky that, um, in addition to being a production company on their own right, they also are a distribution company for shorts. They have channels on YouTube among other things, um, and Dust is their sci-fi and fantasy uh, faction of that. They also have um, another popular one called Alter, which is for horror. And um, I think they have a third one, but I cannot remember for the life of me what it is at the moment. There it is. You mentioned Alter uh, immediately. I know what you're talking about now. Of course, mm. of course. Amazing. Um, right. So that's where it's going to be disputed on. Is that going to be worldwide available then in the middle of December? It is. So 20th of December, as soon as it's online on Dust, then anyone anywhere will be able to watch it. I love it. I love it. The last, uh, the last couple of uh, in- short interviews uh, I've, I've done. It's been a bit. We're not sure yet. We've still got some festivals to do. Might be next year. So just to have a date, twentieth of December, worldwide, a perfect Christmas mm. present for people to enjoy. 
Yeah, I'm really glad that it's going to like first go online at a point when people are most likely to be at home with some time to spare. So um, I'm sure there will still be some people in the office on the 20th of December who um, might just like get a 10 minute break um, and to watch it at their desk. But uh, otherwise, I think a lot of people will be watching on their TVs or phones or laptops or whatever um, in the comfort of their home um, with uh, as a break from Whamageddon. <laughs> if you made it to the 20th, if you made it to the 20th and then <laughs> yeah. not been knocked out, you have done very, very well. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's quite a distance, actually. Actually, last thing that I want to ask. 2024, uh, without giving me any definitive plans and all that, is the expectation to be as busy as possible? Basically, yes. Um, but I don't think that it's likely I'll be in production on anything, at least for the first half of the year, because I have set myself a lot of goals of writing. Um, there's the project that I'm working on at the moment, but I also do have another full feature that I want to write. And there's some other things kind of from the past that I'm talking about um, working with with uh, another writer. Um, so, uh, yeah, basically my main task that I'll be going for for at least the first half of the year, I think, is writing. And also, you know, just seeing what the response is to Villain and if there's any opportunities that come from that. Who knows? But uh, yeah, the, the writing is the main thing that I want to actually like get the time to be sitting at the keyboard and doing, which I've not really done enough of this year while I've been traveling and uh, all of that. Well, I wish you all a success with that. I hope it's a very fruitful writing experience. And while obviously I wouldn't want to put more work in you, I hope it is an incredibly busy 2024 for you. Thanks. Sparky, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I appreciate it. And thank you, Carl. Hey, I appreciate it too. Thank you very much for watching. If you'd like to see more content like this, please consider hitting the subscribe button. It is gratefully appreciated. You can find us over at gbhbl.com, our full website where reviews, news, and so much more goes up daily. We're also on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, threads, at GBHBL. Just search for GBHBL and you will find us out there. We also have merchandise on sale. You can access the shop via the website.